Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Lights, camera, action, and an unrivaled amount of pettiness. It can only mean one thing. The Premier League is back, baby. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Tuesday, the 27th of December. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Pete Donaldson. And I'm Andy Brassel. Yes, 40 days after the break for the World Cup, we have seen an absolute feast of Premier League football return to our screens and to the pitches. 25 goals across seven fixtures. It was like the flaming brandy-soaked Christmas pudding (laughs) that was set on fire by a dad and then doused in more alcohol-infused cream at the end of a Christmas day. It was an absolute treat, Pete Donaldson. By your dad, who is an excellent <laughs> yeah. cook, by the way. So Jules has been showing us pictures on her mobile phone of what she had to eat. Your dad must be so disappointed that you are absolutely tiny because <laughs> the capacity for that man to make amazing food, <laughs> you should be absolutely the size of a house, Jules, because it, it, there was this big gammony thing, it was big, uh, big ham, uh, uh, a big... Uh, the, 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 um, uh, the What do you call them? The, the Yorkshire puddings were incredible. Jules, can we come round your house next year, please? <laughs> You are all more than welcome. My dad absolutely loves it. Retired a couple of years ago, but not really retired because he still has to cook for the entire family at any Always given chefing. opportunity. Yeah, it was mm. a bloody treat. How was your Christmas, Andy? Yeah, it was It was pretty good. I, I think in future Christmases, Pete, rather than go around, we should just send uh, Jules picture and her dad pictures of our feeble christmas efforts <laughs> yeah be yeah like t- I, I i cook two chickens and some horrendous sprout work sorry everyone <laughs> when it comes to the football my god there were so many highlights on boxing day what a return it was there were so many questions weren't there pete on how the return of football was gonna be are the players gonna be absolutely knackered the ones that went to the world <laughs> cup how are they gonna gel because the squads have all been split but there were so many highlights. What was yours? Oh, I mean, I just generally the matches being like the goals. You know, there were some wonderful goals scored yesterday. And <clears throat> the matches were a little bit like, you know, your leftovers and your selection boxes that you usually traditionally have on a boxing day. Arsenal were a lovely turkey curry. Newcastle were like a, <laughs> a, a bowl of pistachios, sustenance, n- nice and salty, you know, up, up and at them. Um, and Southampton at the back were me drinking a whole bottle of green ginger wine in the uh, garden <laughs> yeah. my life. <laughs> That leads me nicely onto mine because my highlight was watching Barcelona and Hove Albion at St Mary's. What an absolute treat of a performance it was from Deserby's boys. Uh, that is exactly what I wanted to see because um, obviously our return to the League Cup last week was a little bit of a shambles. Um, so it was amazing. It was just mm. nice to go to the football because normally I'm working on Boxing Day as well. So that was my highlight. Uh, my highlight was, well, I, I suppose it was probably one of your highlights, actually, when Palace got their second red card against <laughs> Fulham. And I've no idea how James Tompkins had any sort of pushback on it at all because it was a pretty clear red card. I mean, he'd already been booked and he shoved his elbow in Alexander Mitrovic's face. Mm. And um, I, we're, what, eight days away from... Salt Bay invading the pitch at the World Cup final. <laughs> and then his influence on football is so disgustingly wide that as Tomkins went off the pitch, he's going, wow, wow, 
wow. It's like, please don't do that. I've gone three days without thinking about him after FIFA <laughs> opened their inquiry. Their inquiry, how did he get on the pitch? Well, because he's best mates with the FIFA president, obviously. <laughs> yes. it's, 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 it's not really worth having an inquiry over, is it? So um, thanks, James Tompkins, for A, ruining Christmas for Palace fans and B, ruining my Christmas by making me think about Saltbay again. <laughs> But thank you for making all of the Albion fans Christmas because that not only true. do we win away from home, but Palace losing at home and getting two players sent off. I mean, merry bloody Christmas, Seagulls fans. <laughs> um, let's start then with the last game of the day. By the time it got to Arsenal-West Ham, which was the late kickoff, I was wondering whether I'd be feeling a little bit like how I felt on Christmas Day at the end of the day, a bit sick of all the food and just a little bit um, <laughs> done with all this football now. But... What a match it was. The fact that we went into the game, everyone was questioning whether Arsenal would buckle under the pressure in this second part of the season now. Starting the day, five points clear of Manchester City in second. Could they still maintain that gap at the top of the table without Gabriel Jesus, who's injured? And my God, they delivered. I thought they were absolutely brilliant, beating West Ham in the end 3-1. But because West Ham took the lead in the first half, there were plenty of questions, weren't there, Andy, on how Arsenal would come back into the game. But I thought they were absolutely brilliant. They, they, they were, Jules. They, they weren't terrible in that first half, I thought. And they were able to put that into perspective. I, I don't think there was any panic, which was the important mm. thing for, 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 for them. Because, you know, they had a couple of moments that didn't quite go their way in that first half. Um, you think of the, the Saka goal that was chalked off, the penalty that was then not a penalty, rightly so, but they're moments that you feel that previous incarnations of Arsenal would have let get on top of them, and they really didn't do that. And you know, bear in mind that bit of the start where Gabriel Jesus is on on crutches, and you're thinking, you know, he was looking a bit sad there, wasn't he, at the the, the side of the pitch, like he really wanted to be part of it. And Eddie and Ketia, who you think there's a huge drop off really between Jesus and and Ketia, and yet Ketia goes on to cap it all by scoring the goal of the game with an absolutely brilliant goal. Now, there's no doubt mm. about it. I mean, Arteta's been pretty clear. He wants them to <coughs> go and spend in, in January. And I, I think they really need to if they're, if they're serious. But, you, you know, it, 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 it was a great performance in the second half. Pete, the bit that Andy talked about there with the, the penalty that wasn't given to Arsenal in the second half really made me laugh because it was pettiness at its finest in the Premier League. So this is when the ball hits Aaron Creswell in the face and the referee <laughs> thinks it's a penalty. He thinks it hits his hand because he puts his hands up. And all you saw for about five minutes was loads of grown men pointing to their foreheads. <laughs> literally camera zooming in on grown men just all going yeah. is it his head is it his head but it, but he's kind of like it, it was it, the cover of David Boy's Heroes album I put this on Twitter last night and Cresswell's arms were in the most unnatural position anyone's <laughs> arms have ever been in like they were just sort of like whoa like one of those um, big inflatable men on a garage forecast like what are you doing like you're just asking for a penalty but inexplicably he managed to get his, his head on it and I I was watching this with my um, my father-in-law uh, Frank uh, West Ham season ticket holder and uh, he very much has this idea of the curse of the Donaldson because whenever I watch West Ham with him they absolutely stink the place <laughs> up and he's, and he's inside the house right now I'm in the cabin and uh, he's He's reading the team news for Friday. I think it's Brentford they're playing. He's fucking furious with me. He's absolutely <laughs> uh, beside himself. But I, I would say, like, like my big takeaway from that match was, like, it, it's a message to anyone else who's playing a, a, an incredibly um, fluid uh, and, 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 and compact and, 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 like, players that are working for each other, Arsenal team. If you get close to one of their players, you can take that ball off them. Like, West Ham were time and time again take it like regaining possession because they were just going in on them and uh, it just sucks that West Ham just could not do anything with it their passing game was just absolutely non-existent they were atrocious uh, in possession Thomas Partey stepped it up a level in the second half I thought that made a big difference he sort of really got all over Declan Rice and that was that was the start of I think the first goal wasn't it the Saka goal where um, Partey wins the ball off Rice and Rice kind of looks around and says did that really just happen to me? And then Arsenal go on a go on the move and 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 create the goal, and and from there it's unstoppable momentum, really. I feel mm. for I always feel for Declan Rice a bit in in games where West Ham are 
of this blunt going forward because he works so hard. He's such a good player. And although I agree with you, Pete, their passing just wasn't, they just weren't on it yesterday, West Ham. Whenever they got the ball up to Antonio, who again also works so hard and and Mm. his, you know, the way he brings other players into the game and his movement and stuff can be so effective, but then they just can't do anything with it. They just can't score. Yeah. And yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't West Ham's did day. Paquetta, but... Did Paquetta get a yellow card at any point? Because he was on one. <laughs> he, got, he got away with so many little niggly challenges. It was incredible. So many little professional fouls here and there. I cannot believe that lad did not get a yellow. <laughs> What was quite nice about it, though, is that we saw that, though, that, you know, the return to Premier League, the, mm. the players were, were were well up for it, weren't they? And it, mm. and it made for an unbelievable atmosphere at the Emirates as well. The fact that Arsenal have still got a 100% record at home this season, they haven't mm. dropped a single point at home. And the stadium just sounded electric. I think there was like some videos of like the Arsenal Ultras before the game as well, just getting themselves all so up for the match. A late game on Boxing Day as well. I don't know. I just think that um it sounded amazing in the Emirates. And and guess who else was in the crowd, Pete? Uncle Arsene oh, Wenger. It was his Arsene first Wenger. time watching from the stand since he left in twenty eighteen. Which That's incredible, me, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Would you not have popped back here and there? I mean, I would say the thing about looking like a big long owl is that you never <laughs> age. Like, he looks, he's looked like that for such a long time. And so it seems like he's kind of always been there. So, uh, yeah, good on him. L- oh, love to see him in his little blue tie. Like I would David say Cameron. T- t- <laughs> not just ties, but timing uh, is everything. Because if, if you think he's taken a bit of a shoeing for his association with FIFA, which some believe has sort of tarnished mm. his legacy to a certain extent. Now, obviously, if you put him back in an Arsenal context, you feel the love all over again. It's a yes. bit like when John Fashionu did a visit to Plough Lane. <laughs> a couple of months back. I, d- I don't like... think he can possibly... I don't think he can possibly... <laughs> What a get that stink off to be honest yeah. uh, but, but I, I, mean, I think you obviously, know that yeah, obviously uh, fashion whose crimes sort of stretch rather beyond football but uh, <laughs> yeah similar principle perhaps <laughs> well it was brilliant to see all of Arsenal's front three scoring I thought um, Saka's just so much fun to watch so is Odegaard I just thought he had such a good game mm. um, so influential on everything that Arsenal did well and after the game there was a bit of news floating around Anne that Arsenal are looking to add. They're looking to add to that attack in January as well with the winger Mikhailo Modric. Um, apparently Shakhtar Donetsk want more than the 40 million euro bid that's been submitted by Arsenal. What can you tell us about this player? Is he worth Is he worth more than that? Absolutely. I mean, he was very close actually to joining Brentford last summer. Um, they have missed their window, a bit like West Ham with Darwin Nunez. Um, uh, six months makes an awful difference especially in in those six months or four months four and a half months he's played a really great Champions League campaign Uh, he's he's, he's played really well against um, Celtic Real Madrid Leipzig so uh, they know they can extract maximum value for him because there's so few players who can do what he does at that the kind of pace that he does it which means he would fit really well for Arsenal in that position it's a, a quite a coveted sort of position that that left forward sort of spot so i, I mean that, that they are going to have to pay more i i think they'll get it done if arsenal have really got the will to get this done they'll up the bid and and get it done and show that they are serious as we said uh this this january he wants to come from what i gather Shakhtar are, are, are trying to instigate some sort of uh some sort of auction which i, I think is fair <laughs> enough and is is there right because because of the FIFA rules under which um, footballers in Ukraine can um, and, and Russia can go on loan elsewhere, a lot of clubs have, have used, used that to take advantage of clubs, uh, particularly clubs like Shakhtar. Right. So I, I think for, for for them to want to extract maximum value, particularly at this point, is, 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 is totally normal. But, you know, no one can turn around in the Premier League and go, A, we haven't got the money. And B, he hasn't done it in the Champions League because, you know, both of those things are false. 
Well, Arsenal picked up where they left off before the World Cup break. And so did Spurs. They did exactly what they were doing before the World Cup break. It finished Brentford 2, <laughs> Spurs 2. And for the ninth consecutive match, Tottenham conceded first. What on earth is going on, Pete? What, what's wrong with what's wrong with Spurs right now? They just can't seem to start. They don't. They basically don't play for the first forty-five minutes, do they? Well, Dyer's in the fucking team. I'll start with that. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> Brentford's last victory over Spurs was the twentieth of March, nineteen forty-eight. Now that was heading towards. A, a, a massive, massive victory for Brentford uh, historically. It was just absolutely... They were just all over Spurs uh, in the first half. I, what are they bloody playing at? What a mess at the back, Spurs. I just... I don't... I, I When you come back after a, 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 such a weird break, this is what we thought football would be like. Yeah. Uh, and, and Spurs are, are very much uh, are very much living up to the type that they thought we were going to be. Brentford were so good as well, Andy, in that first half. I mean, they just won absolutely everything. They came out exactly as I expected them to come out after the break they just always have so much energy in front of their home fans the stadium always sounds so electric and while they've got Ivan Tony to be able to use for the time being the fact that he got on the score sheet again and and he was being a, a real nuisance in the game um, I thought they thoroughly deserved their 2-0 lead at that at the time but but Spurs I, I can't think of a team where there's a bigger lag between um, what people who watch them and don't watch them think of them because you get a lot of fans on social saying non-Tottenham fans saying how can Tottenham fans complain because they're um, they're they're in the top four as as as, as they usually are and um, that they're uh, challenging for a Champions League place they're in the last sixteen the Champions League etc 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 and the answer is watch the games. Because you know you can talk. You no, can talk. I don't want to. No, no, no. Again, fair enough. I, I, I think, like, like for people to suggest that it's Conte's Machiavellian plan to play like this is no one's plan to mm. to, to to play like this. And the, the reason, as Pete was saying, the reason they get out of it is because they've got such incredibly higher quality individuals. Hoybier, goal apart, is having an incredible season. Um, Kane, the idea that some people have that you know he's going to struggle to get over what happened at the World Cup always seemed like nonsense <laughs> to me because he's just so oh, completely ridiculous. relentless. I, the, the weird thing is, having been outplayed for a huge chunk of that game, they really could and should have won it in, in the end. And maybe that mm. affects the way that Thomas Frank looks at it, to, you know, sort of recency bias to say, you know, getting a point out of it is actually all right in the end. But yeah, Spurs are so just incredibly dysfunctional. I, I mean, I, I think unless they address some of the issues, they, they are actually in danger of, of, of dropping out of the top four in the second half of this season. Because the second half of this season, as we've already seen, is going to be wild. But as you were saying, Jules, what's really interesting is how after the gap, after the World Cup, after the disruption, after the no break, the fact that Arsenal and Spurs are exactly what we expected from them in the first half of the season. Yeah, look, I mean, when when you mentioned Harry Kane there and there was so much talk, wasn't there, about, oh, should Conte even start him for this game? Is he over what happened in the World Cup? Of course he was going to bloody start him and of course he was going <laughs> to score. And for everything we're saying about how rubbish Tottenham were in the first half, fair play to them in all of these games that we're talking about where they tend to concede first they somehow managed to turn things around and, and gain points from losing positions. And Harry Kane didn't get the nicest reception from the Brentford fans. I think there was a there was a group of Brentford fans that were chanting, you let your country down. And then Harry Kane pops up with what I thought was just a, a sensational header. The fact that mm. he manages to get up so high and he just places it perfectly in the goal. That is exactly what what Harry Kane can do, and there was for me there was there was absolutely no needing to shake off any cobwebs from the World Cup. We all we all knew that Harry Kane would quite quickly bounce back from that and and be excellent as he always is. But uh, I'm with you, Andy. In the end, in this game, it it could have gone either way. Brentford could have got a winner, or Spurs could have gone on to win the game. Um, Pete, we also saw two of the. Do we call them best or worst dives of the season? I'm not really sure. We saw one mm. from one from Doherty and then one from Mbuemo. Um Weirdly, one of them was booked, one of them wasn't. Not really sure why. Um, but 
My God, I mean, you, you, this is this is play acting at its finest, isn't it? I mean, I, I mean, I think with the um, Brian and Wemmer one, <laughs> the Fallon <laughs> de Flore nominee, as they call it, um, absolutely pathetic. Foster knows what he's doing. He just went, yeah, I'm not going near you. And he throws himself on the floor. It's fantastic. It makes me laugh, Andy, though, that they that they still think they're going to get away with this when there's VAR and they know they're being watched mm. at every angle. What What makes them think they can get away with it? Well, I guess you think it's a... One thinks it's a freebie because... If you can get through the dive without being initially booked, you're not going to go back and get booked on VAR. That's the only thing I can I, I can right. think of, really. Just before the game, it was announced uh, the day was it announced on Christmas Day or maybe it was on Christmas Eve that Thomas Frank agreed a new contract, four and a half years to keep him at the club, which was a lovely little present for the Brentford fans ahead of their match against Spurs. Um, what was the best present you got, Pete? Do, do you know what my partner got me? I don't. No, you don't. I got a, uh, I got a signed Newcastle United uh, Alan Shearer shirt. So oh, there you wow. go. so good. I love I've that. Got, I've got that'll be going on the wall next to my little arcade machine. Basically, the whole house is, is uh, all of the stuff um, Sarah has put together, and she's, you know, she's very good at like interior designy kind. Of, she's made the house look like a, a thing. You know, it looks yeah. like one thing. We're next to the sea. It's kind of nautical. And then I've got my little corner of the of the back room. Uh, where I've got a Street Fighter 2 arcade machine and a little, <laughs> and a little Pete's little man cave Pete's in weird the corner. Side. I'm, I'm Pete's so weird against. I'm, I mean, I am so against man caves. I think it's so childish and stupid. And I'm yet. against uh, b- bars. <laughs> and yet, and yet, it has overtaken me like a like a weird moss. The man cave has adopted me. I didn't adopt the man cave. So I've got a little Street Fighter 2 arcade machine uh, where I've recently put the video game uh, Paperboy on that I am going to finish over Christmas. Uh, and I've got my Alan Shearer shirt as well. So I'm looking forward to getting that one on the wall. Well, it's I'm glad good you stuff. did. I'm glad you didn't have to fight or wrestle anyone for this shirt because I'm sure you saw it, Pete, um, <laughs> at the King Power Stadium at the end of the game after Newcastle thrashed Leicester 3-0, by the way. And uh, what a performance from them. What a first-half performance from, mm. from your boys. Um, I mean, this isn't the spirit of Christmas. There was a young child in the crowd who managed to get Joe Linton's shirt. And uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating here, Andy. A giant, grown, bald man is mm. practically wrestling with this child Pete to get Joel into shirt. That's that, that is not the spirit of Christmas, my friends. It's really not and it's kind of you see this at like baseball matches, you see this at like uh, like American sporting events. You're always going to look like an absolute arsehole. Why are you doing this? Maybe mm. these people have um kids that you can't see, uh, but it does always just look like you want the shirt as a grown person. I remember <laughs> when I went to see a Gordon the Gopher and who was the, Gordon the Gopher's handler? Uh, he's on uh, breakfast television now. Oh, I don't know. W- wasn't Andy Peters, was it? No, uh, it was the guy, he's got silver hair. Philip Schofield. He came Philip out. Schofield. Philip Schofield, there we go. It was a Philip Schofield uh, and and Gordon the Gopher roadshow at Hartlepool Town Hall in the 80s. <laughs> and he was throwing out um, T-shirts into the crowd. And I and it landed. One of them landed at my feet, and this gigantic lady came and uh, and grabbed it out of my hand. And there was a bit of a no tussle, way. and she just ran off. And I never got my Gordon the Gopher, uh, <laughs> uh, Philip Schofield <laughs> shirt. And it just and every time I see one of these little squabbles, it always takes me back to that bloody Gordon the Gopher t-shirt that I never Sarah, got. Sarah, if you're listening, Sarah, that's Pete's listening. Christmas present Christmas next year. 2023, baby. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that has, that has become quite oh. a difficult challenge for Christmas 2023, isn't it? But do, do you know what? I think that that kid, he's like Miguel Almiron. Despite the size differential, he didn't give up. And he no, got, he didn't. He, 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 got to, he got to keep the shirt in the end, didn't he? He is literally the, living by the way, out Newcastle that, United. That, that massive bloke definitely didn't have kids, by the way. <laughs> okay, fine. And Andy knows him. Um, well, look, what a, perfor- what a performance from Newcastle, and that win moved them into second in the Premier League table. What the hell is going on, Pete? Yeah, I mean, you'd be angry if you're a Leicester fan. You, 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 you finish Christmas. You, you're really excited. Maybe you're taking your kids to, to, to the, the the match for the first time ever, and that happens within two minutes. You're like, oh, 
piss off. And, and, and Newcastle didn't really need to do anything. They kept them at arm's length second half. It was it was atrocious uh, from Leicester. I, I just think it was it was nothing about a match, and it was just trying. It was just basically like a, uh, not a fact finding mission, but just basically like, look, James Madison, you can either come in three weeks time or just get on the <laughs> minibus now. All right, just get on the, get on the bus. We'll sort out the contract later. Just get on the bus. You you come in with us. It was it, it was less a, a footballing spectacle, very much just a uh, let's grab James Madison while we can and save on the taxi fare. <laughs> well, Eddie Howe believes they can do it, Andy. He said, I want the supporters to believe we can do anything. He thinks they could win the league. He's had a bottle of Advocar. <laughs> What's he doing? He's had too much booze. <laughs> Poss- possibly, possibly. I mean, it's... Don't say these things, Eddie. It was a funny thing to come out with. I mean, what he was saying about the supporters have the, the right to dream, I totally agree with that. Because there were so many mm. years under... Mike Ashley, and I, I know there are legitimate questions about Newcastle's ownership that will continue to be asked, but the whole point is that there's no longer Mike Ashley and there's no longer no hope. I think that's the thing. Like People weren't expecting anything like this at all, uh, particularly on this timescale in the city, but what they were expecting is, is, is a bit of hope. And to, to have a, a manager who actually understands that, I think is, is, is a massive step forward. Pete, do you have hope? Um, I, I I think they they can go and 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 keep if they keep playing like they're playing, why not? Well, I mean I mean not the tight. Clip that. Oh, he's been drinking with Eddie. He's been drinking with Eddie. Obviously not the title. But I I'm can't just saying. wait for the headlines. Um, television pundit Pete Donaldson <laughs> and Newcastle television fan pundit. says Newcastle can win the league. <laughs> this will be yeah. this will be in the Daily Star tomorrow. So what do was... I do I take it the price of admission to drinks with Eddie is having an Alan Shearer signed shirt. He's like right now yeah. you're in our club now. You're in our club now. If we win the league, I'm going to punch punch the glass and and, and stick it on <laughs> and run around the town. <laughs> Um, look, guys, family's all about Christmas, isn't it, Pete? You've been telling us how you spent Christmas with your lovely two nieces, and Andy, yeah. you've got your you've got your two sons. It's all about it's all about family, is Christmas, isn't it? And um, let's check in with our favourite football family, shall we? The Acardis, because it's not been a very happy Christmas for Maro Acardi. Um, it's a Christmas Acardi. <laughs> a few weeks ago, um, just after we told you the news that. Maro and Wanda had reunited. Well, Wanda has now taken to social media to run pretty much a social media trial, I think it's being labelled, on her Instagram, where she's asking her followers what they think about certain things that Maro's doing. Andy, this is brutal. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's it's very on brand, on, on the other <laughs> hand. I, I mean, when you think of like below par Christmas days, I mean, Depending on who you play for in Turkey, you will have to play on Christmas Day. So Galatasaray, his club, played on Christmas Day. He was injured, so he was not playing. However, his Christmas Day was in the stand, on his own, watching. I mean, that's not great, is it, really, on paper? Having said that, (laughs) he wears it extremely well. I mean, uh, as well as looking impeccably turned out, as as he always does, Mauro, um, they had this... uh, sort of thing on all the all the famous people who'd come out for the Christmas Day game was Galatasaray won and went top of the league on um, Christmas Day uh, in, one, in one of the Turkish tabloids and um, it said like the, the, the bottom one that the surprise visitor was Mauro Icardi who you know is, <laughs> is, is going through a domestic situation is currently injured but turned up to support his teammates but all the other famous people it had coming to the game it said Turkish actress uh who has recently, in, in recent days, been linked with Mauro Icardi. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's low-key probably having an all right Christmas day, isn't he? <laughs> right, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we will dig into the rest of the festive football CNMO. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ramble. Welcome back to the Football Ramble. Hope you all had a lovely Christmas. It is Jules, Pete and Andy with you to go through all of the Boxing Day fixtures. But just a quick reminder about something that is dropping for you on your Ramble feeds tomorrow. Kate Mason is back and she's got a special drop-in episode where she speaks to Omar El Abdullawi, the Norway international who on New Year's Eve two years ago, whilst playing for Galatasaray, had an accident and went completely blind in a firework explosion. It's a really interesting story and a great interview. He is back playing again and Kate spoke to him all about that remarkable comeback Uh, so make sure you tune in for that on Thursday as well Marcus, Jim, Pete and Luke are going to be here with you to bring you Football Rambles Guide to Improving Football in 2023 basically their New Year's resolutions for football what did you suggest Pete because you've already recorded this so what was your suggestion? Well, to be honest, I can't exactly remember what my suggestions were, but I very much enjoyed a suggestion from the listener, uh, Anthony, who wanted uh, the purge rule. Uh, Every week in one random Premier League game, one random minute will suddenly become the purge minute where all rules are suspended and anything is allowed. Just 60 seconds of random carnage, but nobody knows quite when or where. Um, (laughs) It was a lot of that on the Boxing Day fixtures, I felt, (laughs) in many ways, (laughs) with the defences. Absolutely anything goes. Okay, so what, as in like mm. you, can, you can even pick the ball up and run with it, like with your hands? Eat the ball. Eat <laughs> the ball. Don't use the ball. Just don't use the ball. Have five balls. It's fine. Love that. Okay, well, we look forward to hearing yeah. some more of those. Um, you can get all of that right here on the Ramble feed. Right, let's get back to the Boxing Day fixtures. Uh, another one of the later kickoffs yesterday was Aston Villa 1, Liverpool 3. I thought this was another absolutely brilliant game. I thought that the scoreline actually flattered Liverpool in a way because I thought Aston Villa had their chances. They just they just didn't take them. But credit to Liverpool for scoring the three goals. And I think the opening goal we have to talk about, which was pretty special, Trent Alexander-Arnold with an incredible pass to Robertson, uh, who just puts it across the goal for Salah to, to score. I thought it was a, a pretty delightful goal Andy yeah and uh, I mean we talked about Harry Kane and how he might get on post World Cup I, I I liked his response and which was never in doubt and I liked Trent Alexander-Arnold's response which was never in doubt like if, if you don't rate me if you're not going to pick me fine I'll just carry on being great for for, for Liverpool mm-hmm. and you know he is one of the most like for, forget about him as a defender for a, for a minute he is one of the most talented English footballers it's, it's, it's that simple and he, he can it's, it's one thing when you're watching football and you can see a pass and you're, you're saying that is the pass that they should play it's, it's easy to do that but he plays passes that you can't see as well which I, I think is one of the things that makes him really remarkable I mean Villa what you were saying before Jules Villa have, have, have been at this point a, a few times this season I, I think even before Unai Emery where you feel like they've even against really good teams, I think they had a similar thing against Arsenal where they, they, they had a little moment where they, um, at Chelsea, sorry, 
Chelsea. That was that was the one I was thinking of. They had like mm. 20, 25 good minutes where you're thinking they're really in this game. They're creating a lot of chances against a supposedly superior team, but they weren't able to take advantage of it. I think it really underlines what a lot of work that Unai Emery, great coach as he is, has to do. This is definitely a transitional season for Villa. Yeah, I agree. And of course, they didn't have Emi Martinez in goal um, for the match either because he's still off being absolutely nuts for Argentina <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> did, did you guys see he actually got a tattoo of the World Cup trophy on the exact spot on his calf where he saved that <laughs> goal? He's He's got nice. the World Cup trophy on the exact wow. spot Next that made spot the, the ball. Yeah, there you go. He should actually should have got the ball tattooed there, shouldn't he, Pete? Not the trophy. Full size, like the imprint (laughs) of the actual ball hitting him. I think uh, this World Cup has been... I've seen, like, Leo Messi kissing Hans Molman from The Simpsons. I've seen... (laughs) There's been some atrocious football tattoos this uh, World Cup. And I, as a a crappy tattoo owner myself, I'm into this this legacy of the World Cup. You can forget about your sports washing. I want to see bad tattoos. Tattoos, shitty <laughs> Simpsons tattoos on legs. <laughs> you must be worried what Alexis McAllister's going to come back with, Jules. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's I been mean, hanging out with Emmy for the last ten days. I mean, it could be anything. In all honesty, in all honesty, I just want him to come back. Not that we, not that yeah. we needed him yesterday. We'll come on to that in a he's minute. Got a neck um, tattoo of the Eiffel Tower. What's he been doing? <laughs> <laughs> Well, something else that seems a bit chaotic at the moment is um, all of these reviews of Darwin Nunes for Liverpool. It seems to me, Pete, that every time he steps out onto a pitch, he just gets everyone talking about him. And I think it's because he's so electric out there but he can't seem to find those clinical finishes at the moment and there are fans on social media that just can't work out whether he's absolutely brilliant or a complete and utter pile of crap. Where do you sit? <laughs> it's it's the Sammy Yamiobi conundrum in my in my opinion. Uh, no, it's it, it's a, you're in a situation where um, long leggy strikers who uh, who find sometimes hard to hit the back of the net they just get a different level of criticism because they look a little bit kind of awkward compared to to, to more compact uh, frames. I think Aston Villa fans were chanting, "You're just a shit Andy Carroll at him," um, whereas Jurgen Klopp described him as an unstoppable force. I <laughs> tend to lean more towards the Jurgen Klopp side of things uh, than that, Andy. Where do you sit? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the visual aspect of it is, is part of it, as, as, as Pete says. Uh, it, it's like if a really elegant deer had been given five bags of Haribo. It, it's so <laughs> incredibly hyperactive. And like you say, the the pace the strength and the intelligence for most of it. I mean, if you look at the way he set up the Bacetic goal, it, what was what was amazing? that it, it was half a great touch, the way he took it out of the sky, a little bit too heavy, and then no one else is catching that touch. He's so <laughs> quick and kept it in brilliantly and took it across brilliantly. The thing that I, I like about him, and I've always liked about him since he was at Benfica, is that when he's not scoring goals, he's not a dead weight he can still mm. have a massive influence on the game. And he did have a massive influence on the game. Okay, he could have scored a hat-trick, but that happens to other strikers. And I think it's just that the, his first two games back after this break, and you look at the game against Manchester City in the in the Carabao Cup as well, they were just so incredibly just hyperactive. It, it, felt, it feels like he has packed like eight games worth of action into those two yeah. games. And he's... <laughs> As you say, he's he's wasted most of his chances in that time. But I think he's globally played pretty well. I mean, he's he's got himself in the spot every time. And you know, if strikers aren't getting in the spot, that's a problem. If they miss chances, you know, that's that's part of being a striker. I don't think that's necessarily a a, a massive big deal. He's one of those players, I think, who will have games like the two we've just seen for Liverpool, where he has a ton of chances and misses every single one of them. But he'll have a game where he scores like six and and like mm. gets like a record amount of goals in a game because yeah. as you say he's getting himself himself into these positions to score he's just not 
quite catching them right. Um, some people have been comparing him to Andy Cole, the rationale being that Nunez will miss a lot of chances, but will also make a lot of chances for himself. And Andy Cole has responded to these people. He slammed the comparison as nonsense and said, stop re- disrespecting my name, Pete. Yeah, I mean, Andy will get involved, whether it's a slight on his name, his footballing prowess, or suing the, the Queen's Bank coats over a tax avoidance scheme. The best defence <laughs> is a good offence in, in Andy Cole's uh, uh, way. Andy Cole does get a lot of uh, disrespect because he was kind of like a, a, a three chances and he'll score, he'll score one kind of character. But um, he, his goal record was beyond reproach. I, I think teams can carry uh, personalities and, and, and performances like that, like, like Nunez, because like defenders hate to defend against the unpredictable. You know, you know mm. that... Olivier Giroud yeah. is going to end up in the in the box and, and try and score a header. And he's very, very good at doing that. And I think Virgil van Dijk's gone on record saying he's the most difficult uh, player he's ever faced because he'll always just get there in there and score. But someone who's just absolute chaos, like you don't know what they're going to do next. So you can't really go through the usual kind of like fig A, fig B, uh, situation C, situation D uh, in, in, in your defending, uh, um, you know, playbook effectively. I, I love watching him play. I think he's brilliant. Same, same. <laughs> yeah. I think he's loads of fun. I think he's loads of fun. Um, And Liverpool aren't done in January. They want to add more. They want to add more firepower. And Andy, it seems as though they've already done it because last night it was announced on social media that PSV and Liverpool have agreed a deal for Liverpool to sign Cody Gakpo, who was one of the, the... standout stars of, mm. of the World Cup. Um, this is huge news. And it, ca- it kind of came out of nowhere because it, he's been heavily linked with Manchester United. So Merry Christmas, Man United fans. You didn't get the guy. Uh, and Liverpool, your rivals in the Premier League, have gone and got the guy. I mean, this is pushing United fans absolutely over the edges as, as, as we speak, <laughs> which, which is unfortunate. <laughs> but I, I think what the World Cup underlined about Hakpo is that I mean, in the short term for Liverpool, he's a loose Diaz replacement because he's going to be out injured for a while. Um, most of what he's done for PSV is cutting in from the left and, and, and scoring from there. But what we saw at the World Cup, because the Netherlands were route one for a lot of it, is that he's got that more physical side to him as well, which would maybe escape people's notice. Now, it won't have escaped Liverpool's notice because what Liverpool do is they are meticulous in their research in the transfer market and then they just move very quickly they don't hang about which is kind of the opposite of Manchester United they take ages and ages and ages to sign a a, a player globally so it's just underlining the difference between how uh, Liverpool and United run things in the transfer market I suppose yeah, and there's com- there's been comparisons made to the Luis Diaz signing last year as well, where he was linked with other clubs and then all of a sudden Liverpool came out of nowhere and they got him and uh, they've gone and done it again. I mean, uh, if this does all go through, which it looks like it will now, uh, apparently um, Cody Gakpo is flying to England imminently to complete this deal and it will be done early January if all is well. Um, he will be a very exciting player to have in the Premier League indeed. Um, right, let's focus on things down at the other end of the table now, where it finished at Goodison Park. Everton won, Wolves 2. This was Hulan Lopetegui's first game in charge in the league of Wolves, which kind of seems a bit weird because it feels like he was appointed absolutely ages ago, but he's had all this time to work with members of the squad who haven't been away at the World Cup. And what a way to get your first win, Pete, in the last minute, pretty much one of the last (laughs) kicks of the game. It was a smash and grab win from Wolves and it took them off the bottom of the table. What a victory and what a start for Lopetegui. So important and and they were queuing up to put that away. <laughs> the back force, weren't they? Mm. Uh, on the ninety-five minutes, I think Wolves have been absolutely a, 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 atrocious uh, this season in, in, in the main. And you've got to be looking at Everton as being the next candidate, as being the most atrocious team uh, in the league. It's it's all a bit of a mess for Everton. I think you know the, the Everton might do the the, the the unthinkable and actually go down this season because they 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 can't possibly escape this again. The way that they've played, they just can't. Can they, Andy? They mean, I mean, they've now lost their last four games. They've won just one of their last eight matches in the league. Um, it almost feels like because of the World Cup, we all forgot how poor Everton were doing before the break. <laughs> yeah, and I think 
it, it was interesting. Steve Wyeth on Match of the Day put a question to Frank Lampard. Do you think you overcommitted for the for the winner? And he pushed back against that. But, I, I mean, I don't think you can draw many other conclusions, really. In, in terms of how can you let in a goal like that? Two Wolves in the mm. stoppage time. I mean, it's it's beyond careless, really. You know, it's, it, it, it speaks not of... Um, lack of quality or lack of commitment but lack of organisation and that's got to fall squarely on, on, on Lampard I think you have to you, you have to say that whereas on the other side of it Wolves I, I think I, I would slightly disagree with Pete and I, I think they've been they've been not terrible in a lot of their games even when they've had terrible results earlier in, in, in the season but their, their problem has been clear goal scoring what yeah. they showed is a commitment to actually get up the pitch in 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 the 95th minute, which mm. I, I think I think you have to respect. It would have been easy for them to club it into the corner and stick the the, the point out. So I think for them to actually, you, you said Pete, as you know, they, they they got so many players in the box, and to be able to do that at the end of the game, I mean, we can't draw any conclusions about Lopetegui's influence already, and he's actually quite a defensive type coach. So for him to get that across to the the, the players is a, is a pretty good sign, I would say. Yeah, when that winner went in, Frank Lampard, we saw the other side of Lampard. He looked frighteningly angry. <laughs> it was terrifying. I, I would have been more angry on the 22nd minute where Pedence uh, went through and, and you know, beautiful pass and the Everton backline trying to call offside when two players are playing them onside. Like it, it was just a, a poor at the back for me. And yeah, yeah. I, I think the damage had already been done uh, when, 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 like uh, Andy was saying, that the Wolves had so many players up top very, very mm. late in the game. So yeah, it, it was it, it was strange, but not strange when it when you've looked at Everton's season every single week. They, they, they've been bad. Yeah, um, Andy, what are Wolves getting with their new signing, Mateus Cunha from Atletico? Um, they signed him on loan yesterday with an obligation to buy for forty four million pounds. Not even the January transfer window yet, and we're already getting all these players into the Premier League. What can they look forward to? Can he help solve those goal scoring issues? Maybe. I think we saw what a huge problem it is for them in that they actually announced this on Christmas Day. I mean, who mm. announces a signing on, on Christmas Day? I feel sorry for the social media guy. I really do. Admin, working hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, a, exactly. that's a scheduled tweet though, isn't it? Well, it's, well, it's either that or it's, it's texting under the table at Christmas dinner. It's, it's, it's one of those two things. You don't want to get caught doing that by your mum. But Cunha is full of talent. When he's on a tear, he's, he's on a tear. And he likes to lead the team from from the forward position which i I, th- I think is 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 a positive thing for them because maybe they've they've lacked that a little bit i think it it puts less pressure on gonzalo genish to be to be that because he prefers to roam free up front whereas cunha prefers to dictate a, a little bit i mean i always thought atletico was a bit of a weird move for him He's relentlessly inconsistent, but on his day, he's really good. He wasn't far from being picked for the Brazil squad for the World Cup as well. So we know the abilities there. Um, I'm relatively hopeful for him, but he is quite unpredictable. He sounds like a player with a fair bit of talent that he can bring to the Premier League. However, Pete, I'm slightly concerned about his judgment of people. Um, He said he was excited to be hooking up with Diego Costa again. He said he's a very good guy, a really smiley guy, a really Brazilian guy. Well, it clearly knows him more intimately than most than a Brazilian guy. Um, I think with uh, I, I think with with uh, Costa, will he have one of those kind of like uh, reinvigoration, re kind of uh, imaginings once he stops playing football and everyone actually goes, oh, he's actually quite a nice bloke now. He's not <laughs> kicking everyone's shins in. Will he have one of those kind? Of, does he have Andy? I, I don't know him that as well as you, obviously, but um, does he have that kind of reputation of being all right off the pitch? Uh, I'm not sure I'd go that far. All right then. When you were at the beginning of that, I thought you were going to say, "Is he about to experience some sort of reanimation?" I, I just imagined him being in like cryogenic <laughs> freezing for like the winter yeah. break, and, and then they bring him out and he can run again and stuff. <laughs> well, look, it was a good start for Julian Lopetegui in his first Premier League game in charge of Wolves. Not so much of a good start for Nathan Jones's first match in charge in the league of Southampton. Uh, Mm. I was at St. Mary's and 
the the Saints fans were actually booing at half time. I'm not sure who they were booing, whether it was the players, whether it was the performance, whether it was the, the manager. Keeper. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just it, they were. I'm not gonna lie, they were terrible. We were we were brilliant. Brighton were brilliant, um, winning the game three one in the end, uh, but. Southampton didn't offer a lot at all. The only player who really ever felt like they were dangerous was Che Adams, but that's something that we say pretty much every time we watch Southampton play. And obviously James Ward-Prowse when it comes to those dead ball situations. But yeah, they, they didn't have a good game at all. And it is now looking worrying times for Southampton because they are now bottom of the table um, because of Wolves getting that late winner. What was nice, as we mentioned already, Palace losing at home for Brighton fans as well to Fulham. And Fulham were excellent. They're up there as well, beating Palace by three goals to nil. Mitrovic back to doing what he does, scoring goals uh, in the Premier League. Um, so, um, yeah, well done to uh, Fulham for that win as well. Um, that's all from the Boxing Day fixtures, but just a little uh, nod ahead to the games that are coming tonight. Still part of the same match round. We've got Manchester United taking on Nottingham Forest. That's the late kickoff. But before that... Chelsea take on Bournemouth. Um, you forget really that the pressure that was on Graham Potter before the break and now they come back and they desperately need a win in this one, Pete. They'd lost five of their last six games going into the World Cup. And uh, Graham Potter said in the build-up to this game, I'd rather have gone on holiday with a couple of wins behind me because I probably would have been better company for my poor wife. As it was, <laughs> I'm staring into the Pacific Ocean and she's thinking about what a wonderful time we're having. But I'm sat there thinking about Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> Great company, yeah. Graham. I mean, I, I want to know where they actually were because there's so many options for the Pacific Ocean. They could be looking for a um, it could have gone to Australia. Could have gone to I don't know what's on the west coast of South America. Like you, you could be, you could be anywhere. I want to know where he went on holiday, Jules. Fiji is that on the Pacific? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. The fact Staring is, we'll into never the Mariana Trench. Going, this is this could get worse. <laughs> this could get. We could get even lower than we are now. We'll, we'll never know because uh, uh, the supporters of a team that's lost five of its last six games doesn't want to know the expensive holiday that their manager that's has That's a good on. point, actually. Yeah, you don't no. want to hear So that. we're, we're never going to find out. You've been on holiday, yeah, yeah I, I was guess thinking so. that. <laughs> um, right, that's all from us today. Uh, Pete, Andy, Merry Christmas. Enjoy the rest of your festivities. You got anything nice planned? Uh, Chelsea versus Bournemouth at uh, half past five. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by uh, United versus Forest. And all the European leagues start unseasonally early, don't they? Because of the, the, the World Cup. So, yeah, there you go. I'm off for a dogfight and a... a no, it's not a dogfight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off for a dog walk. Oh, and a fight with a neighbour. I don't know. A dog, I'm off it, for a dogfight. <laughs> it's too early in the season for a dogfight. Oh, Sounds like a good plan. Uh, right, we will be, <laughs> we'll be back with the drop-in tomorrow with Kate and then our guide <laughs> to improving football is on Thursday. And then, as usual, we're back with the preview show with Marcus, Luke and Andy on Friday. Thank you for listening to today's Football Ramble, part of the ACAST Creator Network. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.